You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 788 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Thursday evening as we lead into the weekend, there is basketball happening uh, right now, actually, as I I speak to you down in Orlando. These scrimmage games are up and running, which the first part of the podcast today will be focused on one uh, sort of subplot from that. Before we get to that and also the second major theme of, theme of the podcast today, which is uh, sort of an, a, a widespread inquiry from listeners and readers that I want to get to after the break later on. But before that, there are three shows already in this feed this week that should be uh, still there for your listening pleasure. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please catch up on those. Uh, the first two were sort of a free agent primer of players that are going to be available in the bubble uh, to watch as Hawks fans through that lens. And then Demetrius Bell, good friend of the program, joined us um, on Wednesday to talk about the Hawks' new uniforms, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that, those were fun. Go ahead and catch up on those, as well as all the other stuff that's been on the feed in the last couple of weeks, NBA draft stuff, free agency stuff, et cetera. Okay, from there, uh, I do want to just say, uh, it's nice to watch basketball again. I'm going to leave with that today. Uh, you know, the scrimmages are kind of like summer league quality, and I understand that. Uh, but there's basketball during the day in July. It feels normal in some respects. I know the visuals are always kind of strange right now. But still, I just enjoy watching basketball, even if it's kind of bad and uh, the you know, sort of things are ramping up down there in Orlando. Obviously, the Hawks are not there, and the podcast is about the Hawks at the end of the day. But as an observer of the league, someone who covers the league, etc., it's just fun to have basketball back. Not, not a revolutionary statement for me, but I wanted to say that out loud. And it's sort of a good point of transition to our first topic on the podcast today, and that is the fact that the story of the first day of scrimmages on Wednesday was the debut of Bull Bull with the Nuggets, including several people, and I'm not exaggerating this, several people reaching out to me directly via the Lawson Hawks Twitter account or the Peachtree Hoops Twitter account, and even got a text message or two about this to sort of complain about the Hawks not drafting Bull Bull uh, at number 34 overall, and instead using that pick after they traded up to draft Bruno Fernando. So this is sort of a mailbag kind of podcast, not directly, but I want to sort of just address stuff that I've been asked, and the first half of it is going to be about this um, with Bull Bull, who is the sort of phenomenon of the internet on Wednesday. I'll say this pretty broadly. It was funny to watch and read some of the comments about Bull after the scrimmage, both from Hawks fans and just from around the league overall. Um, there was sort of this, sub, this subplot where other people were trying to pour cold water on it, which is probably where I would have been. Uh, more on that side of it, I will say that. There was some counteraction along the way uh, with some skepticism being out there. In fact, this was not directly about Bowl. There was a tweet from Stan Van Gundy, who's now been very popular on Twitter, the former coach and now current analyst. Very smart basketball person, and I wanted to read it to you. It's not just about Bowl, but uh, I thought it was kind of appropriate for the moment. Quote, Will NBA fans ever learn? One scrimmage after four months off, people already rushing to judgment, good and bad, on players. Haven't we seen enough summer league and exhibition games to know how little they mean? Question mark. End quote. So, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of tells the story, honestly. Overall, I know it is fun, though, and I'm not trying to pour cold water on the fun because it is fun, but uh, kind of funny. But as for Bowl itself, 
you know, he he obviously flashed some of the traits that made him a popular draft prospect. I took a lot of questions about him and discussed him quite a bit on the podcast before the draft last year. Uh, he was a polarizing player who was, it's easy to see why he is really intriguing in a lot of ways. He is ridiculously long, for instance. He's really skilled as a shooter. He's a transcendent level shooter for someone that is his size. You don't see guys who are legitimate 7'2 and super long be able to shoot the way that he can. That's a rare and uh, really impressive skill that he has. Um, also, though, it was a scrimmage in which he was playing alongside four other big men for most of it, and that's actually really what I mean out loud if you missed this. The Nuggets started, and their smallest players were Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap, uh, both of whom are power forwards. So that was the way uh, that was going on. Uh, the Nuggets didn't have, didn't, only had one guard, I should say. They had Troy Daniels, who was definitely more of a pure shooter, off-ball player, and he didn't even start, though. So kind of weird there, especially when they were playing against a comically bad and depleted Washington Wizards team without all of their best players. Um, so kind of a weird one to jump off of, uh, I, I would say, initially. Also, just for some clarity, Bull did score 16 points, had a lot of flash plays, including blocks, but it was 16 points on 16 shooting possessions, which is, you know, not that impressive. He had five turnovers. He did have a lot of the stuff sort of flashing that scares people as well as the positives. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, but I think it's probably safe to take it easy a little bit, just in general, on the scrimmage portion. Uh, maybe not the seeding games, I understand those actually count, but uh, just want to pour that uh, out there. For example, I would kind of compare the reaction to what Bowl and others did uh, in Summer League Game 1, um, sort of, sorry, 2A Summer League Game 1 reaction where people kind of go crazy in one direction or the other in early July when there hasn't been basketball in a long time and it's just what's on. Um, it's sort of the reverse of this, obviously, but it's kind of, and I say kind of, like the negative reaction that Troy Young got in Utah, but in reverse, because, you know, God forbid he struggled once or twice in a Summer League game um, and it was like the end of the world for some people. But anyway... Uh, it was a surprise, I will say that, that Bulls slipped to number 44 overall, even if there was, and by the way, this did happen, there was plenty of buzz before draft night that he was probably going to drop. Um, I was surprised how far he dropped to 44, but the notion that he was a lottery pick was, I think, pretty much long gone by people that were already around the league by the time we got to the draft. Um, there were tons of injury concerns about Bull. That's not breaking news, but there was a documented foot issue that cost him really this entire season as sort of a red shirt. He did play a little bit in the G League, but um, effectively a medical red shirt season, which everyone kind of knew was going to happen. Also, a couple other a couple other injuries that are on his record previously, and the medical report was, I would say, reportedly pretty bad in the pre-draft process. I won't claim to have seen it, but I've heard enough um, from people that might have seen it to know that Bull had lots of medical red flags, and they probably didn't just go away. In fact, the Nuggets were. I won't say this is too similar, but it kind of is. Um, you know, they also have Michael Porter Jr., who was another guy who had real strong medical red flags, and the Nuggets have not drafted both those guys. Maybe they just have faith in their development system and their training staff, or they're really, or they're willing to take more calculated risk. I'm not sure which one it is, but I will say this: Bulls medical was a problem. And it probably still is. We don't know that at this point in time. But even with a clean medical, this is something I want to make sure that I say out loud. Even with a clean medical, there was still a pretty big split on Bowl. Uh, people were very high on him. People were also not very high on him. Uh, offensively, he's really obviously intriguing. Guys with his, as I said before, guys with his size don't shoot like he can usually. And also, he's pretty fluid on the perimeter. And for a player that is that big, uh, yeah, pretty impressive what he possibly could do on the offensive side of the floor. Now, the other side of the court is that there's this misconception, which I talked about in the moment. If you're a listener, I'm sure you remember this probably, um, that he was some all-world defensive prospect because he is so long and so tall. 
and he blocked a lot of shots in his limited time in college. But uh, candidly, he is an offense first, offense second, offense third prospect. And the biggest key to his whole development thing is his shooting. Honestly, that, that's not that's his number one trait by a, by a long shot. I don't want to go too deep on Bowl because he's not a member of the Hawks, obviously. But um, people were asking, so I want to pass it along. Uh, the problem with Bowl, the problems with Bowl are really defense and health. Like I said before, the medical was pretty uh, was pretty ugly. But defensively, it's just tough with Bowl. Um, you know, when it was working in the scrimmage on Wednesday, uh, it was because he was playing zone and allowed to use his length effectively. And people that um, were skeptical of his defense did point out, and including me actually before the draft, that zone defense was probably the best way to have Bowl work. Because he is massive in length, and he'll be able to block shots if he's near the rim, like we saw in that scrimmage. He was able to do that. But everything else is truly an adventure. Like, on the perimeter, he's pretty much helpless in pick and roll. Once the Wizards figured out what to do and kind of had him in regular coverages, it did not go well for the most part. Um, so he really can't be a primary rim protector, like a primary center, which is why it's kind of strange to talk about him because he's not really a center, even though he's 7'2 and a shot blocker. Because I think everyone agrees, including the Nuggets, if you watch the way that they are deploying him and the way they talk about him, that he's not a center, which is kind of funny, but it's true. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, putting him in the zone is the right thing to do. Uh, I think he'll be more of a weak side rim protector in practice. You know, zone is the way to go. I'm not sure how they're going to use him. The, the big question is, like, even before the scrimmage, people were talking about Bull Bull being used in the, in the seeding games or maybe even in the playoffs. It's like the secret weapon kind of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, they don't have a lot of bodies right now in Denver. But the question is, can he actually play with Nikola Jokic um, functionally in an NBA game? I know it's you know if, if you try to play zone, maybe it could work. But Bulls never played in the NBA. Still, like this was his debut and it was a scrimmage. Um, he's never played in an NBA game. He's played in the G League, but nothing in the NBA. And I don't know. There's a lot going on there. I do think that it could work in Denver because of the, creative, the, the sort of the creativity that they've already been showing with Bowl. Um, at the same time, you know the hype machine is a little aggressive right now. Um, Back to the question itself about, you know, people were asking me about the Hawks and whether they should be upset about him not taking, uh, about the Hawks not taking bowl. Um, I don't think that he was really on the board for the Hawks. I'm not trying to report something right now, but I never really got the sense that he was available for the Hawks on their board in terms of medical and fit. Defensively, it would have been pretty rough. Um, and it's not, honestly, it's not fair at all to Bruno Fernando, who, who was catching some strays in these conversations, both on Twitter with me and otherwise. Like, picking on him about this is not fair at all. Um, the Hawks, you know, saying the Hawks should have taken Bowl instead of Bruno right now is just kind of silly, and people were asking, so I wanted to address it. But it's just, number one, it's too early to, just, to like, sort of bury Bruno. And number two, Bowl has not played an NBA game yet. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things. He does have upside, obviously, if you can figure out a way to use him effectively on the defensive end of the floor. But, you know, we haven't seen him play, and I think he is definitely a context-dependent player in pretty much every way, and uh, people should probably just calm down a little bit. I understand he was not, by the way, not the only one. There were lots of takes. Bull just got most of the attention because it was the, it was the first batch of games, and he is uh, kind of a famous prospect, etc. But uh, I'd like to see him play a little bit more. I hope he plays more. I'm actually rooting for Bull Bull. I hope that actually works. It, it would be a lot of fun to have a seven foot two guy doing what he is capable of doing offensively. There'd be a lot of highlights and fun around that. But uh, yeah, to answer the questions about Bruno and the Hawks, I would not lament that. Um, I don't think that w- that would have been the best fit in the world. The medical, the defense, all that stuff. It might work out for the Nuggets, and shouts to them if they hit on both Porter and Bowl. If, the, if both of those things worked out, uh, it'd be awesome for them. But uh, yeah, for right now, the jury's definitely still out on Bowl Bowl. Okay, before we get to the second half of the podcast, another uh, prominent question that I've been asked in the last couple of weeks, 
a word from the good folks at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the car and truck parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait forever while the counterperson orders the parts on his his or her computer, choosing only the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, and it's a much, much better option. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone, and they're always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login of any kind. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are, again, always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, your truck. From there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that, they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we're back. I know I spent a lot of time on Bowl Bowl, so my apologies on that. But uh, the other big thing that I wanted to get to on the podcast is sort of a pseudo mailbag. I get that. Um, there's not a, there's not a whole lot going on. I do have a couple guests prepared for next week. But on this one, I wanted to sort of go with two broad topics. And the other one is uh, what I would describe as easily the most popular mailbag question that I've received in the last two-plus weeks now. I think I've received double digits in terms of numbers of uh, questions slash prompts that are pretty much the same. Um, there are others that are competing with this in terms of volume, like questions about John Collins' extension and trade stuff, Isaac Coro, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, um, trade, you know, fake trades, all that kind of stuff. But this one has kind of surprisingly emerged for me, and I'm not 100% sure why. I think it might be traced back to a discussion that John Hollinger and Chris Kirshner had on, on The Athletic. I think that's probably the, uh, the origin of some of this stuff, because I, I know John mentioned it. Uh, he was not reporting this, but alas... The question basically is, I picked one from one specific question from a listener named David for the wording. I'm not picking on David, but here we go. Uh, the question is, have you addressed the Buddy Heald rumors? What do you think about the Hawks maybe trading for him? Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not picking on David because this happens a lot, but I would not say, by the way, definitively, I would not say there are rumors about Heald and the Hawks. Um, like I said, uh, John Hollinger mentioned Buddy Heald as a potential target for the Hawks in a column with him and Chris Kirchner. But he pretty clearly was not reporting that as a like a thing that's happening. It was just a hypothetical and an idea, which just happens all the time. So not a rumor, not a rumor, not a rumor. Okay, <laughs> from that point forward, I'll set the stage a little bit for the question to answer it because I think it's uh, always fun to talk about guys who might fit or not fit with the Hawks. Healed, uh, obviously a former lottery pick. He is under contract for four more seasons at a total of $94 million after signing an extension that hasn't even started yet. So he's not even started to kick in his rookie extension. The contract does decline, which is a nice feature of the deal, but he, it starts at $26.4 million for next season and then slides down gradually to $20.5 million for the 2023-24 season. So it's a long time. It's obviously a pretty good chunk of change, especially when you consider the fact that Buddy Heald is pretty old. And I, I say that... I know he was in the 2016 draft, which isn't that long ago. That's the draft that the Hawks drafted Torian Prince and DeAndre Mubry. So those guys were a little bit older, but he was even older than them. In fact, uh, he is quite old for a player with four years experience. He'll be 28. Yes, 28 in December. So he'll, he'll be playing 20, at 27 in the bubble. 
uh, 28 in December. And to put that in perspective, he'd be older than every single player on the Hawks that's under contract right now, except for Dwayne Devin. He's older than Clint Capella by about a year and a half. And Capella was drafted two years before he was. He's older than Alex Lynn for another comp, a recent former Hawk. He's older than Dennis Schroeder. He's two years older than Giannis. Uh, I've talked about Joe Harris's age being a slight concern on the last couple of podcasts at times, and Buddy's only a year younger than Joe Harris. So all that to say, I'm not trying to pile on, but it's easy to forget that he is older than you might think he is based on where he was drafted. And the fact that his, 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 his extension hasn't even, hasn't even started yet. Um, his prime could conceivably end before this contract ends, so keep that in mind too. And the extension's, again, going to start when he turns 28, essentially. Um, on the floor, Heald is a very, very good offensive player. That's the biggest thing about Buddy Heald is that offensively, he is really good. He's a career 41% shooter from three. That is uh, obviously really good, especially on real volume. This year, he shot 39% um, on huge volume, attempting almost 10 per game and almost 15 three-point attempts per 100 possessions. He is a bomber. That's his best skill by far and uh, the biggest part of his appeal by a lot. Honestly, he's pretty much an elite shooter. Like, is he Steph Curry? No, but he it might be the next tier down. He's that good of a shooter. He's really good. Like, you know, Duncan Robinson, Clay Thompson is probably better. You know, all those guys. He's definitely a top 10, 15 shooter in the league. He's that good as a shooter. Now, um, he did make other strides offensively this year. His passing got a lot better. Um, it's not elite by any means, but certainly uh, improving a career best. 16% assist rate this year. Not a huge weakness for him anymore. He's not a huge playmaker, but someone who can create for other people a little bit. I would say that, you know, overall, he's definitely more of someone who creates for himself than others, but he de- he definitely can move the ball. His gravity offensively as a shooter helps other people get better. Obviously, just there's much more space when he is attracting the defense. Not a great passer, but um, decent enough. He's not very big. He's a legit 6'3", 6'4". But he's definitely a one-position defender at the two. Not really someone who can guard a whole lot of high-level point guard types and too small to guard really big wings. I think he is a, a pretty bad defender. Not like all-time bad, but pretty bad. I don't always use these all-in-one metrics kind of blindly, but if you were to take like a combination of PIPM and RPM and Raptor, etc., some of the more major um, advanced metrics, and put them together, Heald's probably like a top 50-ish offensive player in the league. I do buy that, considering his shooting. Um, it's that special, especially when you combine the efficiency and the volume. But defensively, he's also really bad. Like He's not rated quite as bad as like your D'Angelo Russell, Trey Young, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton level players. But he's definitely a pretty big minus defensively. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's worth pointing out, especially in this context, because the Hawks are the Hawks and they have Trey Young. And uh, you have to build, build around that as a result. So I say all of that... To kind of bring things around full circle to the Hawks specifically on Heald, I think in an overall sense, I don't love the idea of trading for Buddy Heald because of what the Hawks already have on their roster, especially with Trey. You could definitely argue that Heald's contract is like appropriate, like neutral value. I don't think that um, it's a bad deal necessarily in a vacuum. Like it, it declines, that's a pretty good decision to make that more, more sort of team friendly. But at the same time, I personally don't think that he looks like a massive value either. Like, if you're trading for someone and paying a premium, you would like for that person to be underpaid, ideally, if you're a team. Um, I think, you know, an average annual salary of about $23, $24 million is, like, fine, but not a huge plus if you were the team. Maybe even be a slight negative, depending on where you put him. You know, obviously in Atlanta... It'd be awesome offensively. Young and Heald would be tremendous. Um, Heald shooting would unlock a lot of things for the Hawks. The Hawks do need more shooting in general. He's a great shooter, so that obviously would work pretty darn well. I'd have pretty much no concerns about his offensive game in Atlanta. 
But defensively, it would be really bad. I think that's pretty just safe to say. Heald is not like the worst defensive shooting guard in the league or anything, but putting him next to next to Young just is not going to work, in my opinion. You know, it's been a popular idea to talk about like Bradley Beal or Donovan Mitchell in Atlanta. Those guys are not good defenders right now, but I think actually both of them, at least you could talk me into having higher ceilings defensively than Heald. Um, and also... They're better offensive players probably on the high end than Heald. So, like, they flashed defensive tools in the past. Like, Beal was bad this year, but Beal's been okay in the past. Mitchell um, has physical talent defensively that Be- that Heald just doesn't have. So, I think overall, like, his defense was always a question, even going back to Oklahoma and the draft and pre-college and all the way through. You know, Trey and Buddy are friendly with the Oklahoma connection. Those guys went to the same college, like, kind of back-to-back. But um, Heald's really good. Again, a really good player, really valuable player. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, the combination of a contract that's like pretty substantial, obviously, and the fit defensively is enough where I, I personally would not like this fit very much for the Hawks at all, especially because I would imagine the Kings want value for Buddy Heald. Like, I know the Kings might want to get off Buddy Heald's deal to pave the way for sort of a big contract for Bogdan, Bogdanovich, which, which I talked about earlier in the week. Like, there is this feeling around the league that the Kings kind of like Bogdanovich better than Heald and want to pay him instead. And there were a few whispers, like in February, January, that Heald might want out of there and may not be super happy with his role. But I still think there's going to be some teams in the league that would give up some real assets for Buddy Heald. And that team, honestly, shouldn't be the Hawks, in my opinion. There's a question, honestly. This this seems more rude than I mean it to be. But I'm not sure if I was the Hawks if I would take Heald for free. And by the way, and by for free, I mean like trading wise, obviously you have to pay him um, and he would still help the Hawks. But given that contract that he's making, the Hawks could take him into cap space for nothing. I'm not sure I would even do that. Um, I'm, I probably wouldn't even do that because of the money that you'd be spending in the fit. I just think for me, pairing him with Trey Young defensively is just kind of not tenable. I think you could maybe make the argument that you want to just go all offense all the time and try to lead the league in offense and just be so good on offense that it doesn't matter. I don't love that um, as an idea, but that's kind of what you would have to do. I think if you added Buddy Heal to this roster, you might just like go at that point, just play Collins at center and try to outscore everyone every night. And honestly, if you if your three cornerstones were Trey Young, Buddy Heald, and John Collins offensively, you could probably build a number one level offense in the league. So I'm not saying you couldn't, but the problem is you'd be terrible on defense. Like, would you be Wizards bad? Maybe not, but like you would be a bottom five, bottom ten at least defense with those three guys. And that's just tough for me to build around. So I'm not trying to be negative on Buddy. He is a good player who'd be valuable. Not my favorite fit in the world, though. And But I was kind of just kind of, I'm not sure if it was funny or I was amused or what. I thought it was kind of interesting that I got so many questions about Buddy Heald over the course of like two plus weeks. And it wasn't like just all at once. It was like every day or two, I'd get another one. And it was, uh, I don't know, people are interested in him. I don't know if it's the connection with Trey Young and Oklahoma or the fact that he might be just kind of publicly available by the Kings. But yeah, Buddy Heald is good. Buddy Heald would help the Hawks. But uh, given the cost and the defense, I would uh, I'd probably pass on that one if I was Travis Slink. So that's enough for today's podcast. I know it's only two subjects, but I went a little bit deeper than I usually do on some of these things by myself. I do, as I said before, have a couple of guests planned for next week, so stay tuned for that. And as always, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend or two or three. Leave a five-star review. And also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. It's also my primary account right now, as my BT Rolling account is still locked as of this moment on Thursday evening. And we'll see everybody next time.